Shut up and sit down. Listening to The Bridge, keeping you connected with all things sports. Here's your host, John Lund. Hello, everyone. You're listening to The Bridge, keeping you connected with all things sports. I'm your host, John Lund, the multimedia sports enthusiast, bringing you this sports show. Welcome to the inaugural The Bridge Christmas Spectacular and Year in Review. We'll get into that and whatever else I happen to have up my sleeve on episode 49 of The Bridge. (laughs) Greetings and salutations, everyone. Welcome back to another installment of The Bridge, coming to you live on Sports Radio America every Wednesday night, 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern Time, to bring you the best and brightest of the sports world. That's right, The Bridge is live on Sports Radio America every Wednesday night, though the show is technically pre-recorded. If you miss the live show, the podcast version of The Bridge is available 48 hours after the initial broadcast, which means you can find the newest episode on iTunes or on my website at londonbridge.com on Friday nights. I'll save all the ways you can listen to The Bridge and where you can find the show until the end of this installment. If anything, you can always call in or text into the show 24-7 at 929-BRIDGE-7. That's 929-274-3437. Contact the show with your questions, comments, stories, or hot takes, and you might just be featured on the next installment of The Bridge. Lots to get into on this special holiday edition of The Bridge. Give me the... Wait a second. You hear that? Santa? Bye, Santa! Because this is the last episode of The Bridge in 2016, what better way to send off the year with the inaugural Christmas Spectacular and Year in Review show? The Bridge will return in the new year on January 4th, so let me beat Chris Berman in wishing all of you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Now, for this holiday edition of The Bridge, we've got two special holiday segments, as well as some clips from previous shows from throughout the year that will be thrown in throughout the show. The Bridge, as you may remember, began to debut weekly segments back in the summer and made its debut with Sports Radio America this past September. So the clips you'll hear during this episode will be from that time period. If you'd like to hear our best of show with interview clips up until the merger with Sports Radio America, check out the Bridge Best of Show, which was episode 37, and you could find that at londonbridge.com slash bestof. 
As friends of the bridge may know, we always start the show with the number one parody news anchor segment in sports radio and the first recurring segment of the bridge. And I was all set to replay a pass admission for that. However, that was until Jeff Fisher, a bigger thief than even the Grinch, was fired this past week. Here's this week's edition of Sports News Red Like Real News. Jeffrey Michael Fisher has been a familiar face and mustache in the National Football League for the past several decades. Jeffrey played in the NFL for four seasons with the Chicago Bears, winning a championship ring in his final season when the legendary 85 Bears won Super Bowl XX. While that sounds like a storybook ending to a career, Jeffrey spent the year on injured reserve with an ankle injury that ended his playing career in 1985. He stayed with the Bears as a defensive assistant coach while on injured reserve to get his Super Bowl ring. Jeffrey then served as defensive backs coach for Buddy Ryan when he left from the Bears to the Eagles the following season. Jeffrey was promoted to defensive coordinator in 1988 at the age of 30, the youngest such coach in the league. Jeffrey was then hired as defensive coordinator for the Los Angeles Rams in 1991, then served as the DB coach for the San Francisco 49ers for two years. In 1994, Jeffrey took the same position with the Houston Oilers. He was named interim head coach when the head coach of the Oilers was fired, then in his first year when they decided to bring him back, led the team to a 7-9 record. When the franchise relocated to Tennessee in 1997, Jeffrey went with it. In 1999, when the franchise renamed the team to the Titans, Jeffrey took a page out of Herm Boone's playbook and compiled his best season as head coach. The Titans finished the regular season at 13-3, completed one of the most famous playoff trick plays in NFL history in the Music City Miracle, and made it all the way to Super Bowl 34. However, Tennessee came up one yard short to the St. Louis Rams and lost the game by seven. The Titans had the same record the following season, but would lose to eventual Super Bowl champion, the Baltimore Ravens, in the AFC playoffs. There would be some successful seasons and playoff appearances in the following years, but alas, no more trips to the Super Bowl. Jeffrey parted ways with the Titans after 16 seasons in 2010, then accepted the head coaching position with the St. Louis Rams in 2012 after taking the year off. In the game before he was fired, Jeffrey made history, then in his 22nd season as head coach. After losing 42-14 to the Atlanta Falcons in front of a sparse home crowd to drop the now Los Angeles Rams to 4-9 overall, Jeffrey tied Dan Reeves for the NFL record of most regular season losses as head coach with 165. Reeves participated in nine Super Bowls as player and coach, winning two of them. Jeffrey hasn't won a playoff game since 2003 and hasn't made the playoffs since 2008. 
With the St. Louis and LA Rams, Jeffrey compiled a 31-45-1 overall record. In 22 seasons as a head coach, Jeffrey had a winning record in just six of them, zero of which came in five seasons with the Rams. There was a flicker of hope to this season when the Rams started the year with a 3-1 record. Since then, L.A. has lost eight of its last nine games, along with a pair of four-game losing streaks. It didn't help that the two-year extension Jeffrey agreed upon in the preseason wasn't signed until a week before his eventual firing. And in a cruel twist of faith, Jeffrey's preseason prophecy did end up coming true, but not in the way he had expected. When the Rams were featured on this season of HBO's Hard Knocks in August, Jeffrey vehemently told his team, and I quote, I'm not going 7-9, or 8-8, or 9-7, or 10-6, for that matter, end quote. Well, with four wins and just three games to go, it looks like he'll be right. We can only hope the Rams can win their final three games and pay homage to the man, the myth, the mustache, Jeffrey Michael Fisher. I'm John Lund for Sports News Red Like Real News. Let's take a quick break to keep on the Christmas lights. When we come back, more from the inaugural Christmas Spectacular and Year in Review. We'll be back on the bridge, keeping you connected with all things sports. As you heard earlier in the show, you can call in or text into the bridge at 929-BRIDGE-7. That's 929-274-3437. Leave a voicemail or text in your questions, comments, stories, or hot takes, and you might just be featured in the next installment of The Bridge. Now, we do like to pose a question each show to help give you the urge to call in or text into the bridge. And this time, you've got three choices, one for each ho-ho-ho, if you will. A. What do you want for Christmas? Two. What's your favorite Christmas song? And D. What's your favorite Christmas movie? You can answer one or all three. Call in or text that into 929-BRIDGE-7, 929-274-3437. And the best ones might just make our first show in 2017. Now, speaking of Santa's Christmas list, we've been making our own list. We've checked it twice, but we did decide to leave the naughty or nice thing to the authorities. Anyway, for the first special holiday segment of the inaugural Christmas Spectacular and Year in Review 2016, we wanted to know what players in professional sports should get from Santa Claus this year. So we made up a list for NFL, MLB, and NBA players. Of course, there will be some names that didn't make this list, but bear with us. We did the best we could. We'll get into the other sports later in the show, but let's kick this off. Here's this year's The Bridge Christmas List. (laughs) Starting with the National Football League and its quarterbacks, Green Bay quarterback Aaron Rodgers. 
box sets of Full House, Family Matters, Boy Meets World, you get the idea, with the hopes that he'll speak to his parents again. Derek Carr of the Oakland Raiders. Now what he needs is a new pinky, but also a punk band for dummies makeup set in case he ever wants to make additions to his eyeliner. Saints quarterback Drew Brees. Jimmy Graham. He also does look like a guy who would appreciate a good set of power tools, but he would like to have back Jimmy Graham, and I'm sure Jimmy feels the same way. Kirk Cousins of the Redskins, a talking doll complete with 101 catchphrases that he could use during his post-game interviews. Russell Wilson, the Seahawks, a book of the Kama Sutra to liven things up when he decides to have child number two with his now wife. Patriots quarterback Tom Brady, a family-sized pack of Little Debbie's Cupcakes because that diet he has at home with Giselle, that's too much. Buccaneers quarterback Jameis Winston, a thesaurus. Did you think I was going to say crab legs? Really? Colts quarterback Andrew Luck, extra ammo and gunpowder for his musket and spare quills and ink bottles to help with continued correspondence to dearest, dearest Abigail. Joe Flacco of the Ravens, a light bright illuminating the word elite. Cam Newton of the Panthers, Superman footy pajamas for his next post-game press conference. Steelers quarterback Ben Roethlisberger, New knees. Philip Rivers of the Chargers, another nanny for his eight children. You can never have enough nannies with eight children. Matthew Stafford of the Lions, a new middle finger currently, and also fourth quarter leads, so he's not always the one coming from behind. <laughs> Colin Kaepernick of the 49ers, worn peace and knee pads. Put those two together. Andy Dalton, the Bengals, another Red Rider BB gun to put into the back of his closet with the other 85 that he's received over the years. Dak Prescott of the Cowboys, a Dallas Cowboys ornament. Tony Romo of the Cowboys, a Jerry Jones ornament. Giants starting quarterback Eli Manning, his brother's regular season resume. Recently retired quarterback Peyton Manning, his brother's postseason resume. And last but not least, Texans starting quarterback Brock Osweiler. You know what? Actually, I think he's good. To the running backs. Cardinals running back David Johnson, a relevant team so people remember who he is. Pittsburgh Steelers running back Le'Veon Bell, most likely new cleats. Todd Gurley of the Rams, a high school offensive playbook so he can improve on the middle school offense they've been running all season. Ezekiel Elliott of the Dallas Cowboys, a new crop top. Adrian Peterson, Lincoln Logs for the kids. And recently retired Marshawn Lynch. You know what? I actually think he's good as well. To the wide receivers, Odell Beckham of the New York Giants, whatever is left on the wedding registry for himself and his lovely wife, the kicking net. Antonio Brown of the Steelers, not sure what he'd like, but we'd all like to see him get a new barber. Des Bryant of the Cowboys, one of those don't talk to me until I've had my coffee mugs. 
Larry Fitzgerald, also of the Cardinals, a corncob pipe. He's earned it. DeAndre Hopkins on the Texans, a way out. Denver Broncos wide receiver Demarius Thomas, a pardon from President Obama for whatever other family members he might have in jail while President Obama is still in office. Cole Beasley of the Cowboys, a cigar box filled with straw to chew on while he's on the sidelines. Recently retired receiver Calvin Johnson, a copy of Madden 13 with himself on the cover. And Patriots wide receivers Julian Edelman, Chris Hogan, Danny Amendola. You know what? I think they're good as well as long as Tom Brady is the quarterback. Though, if anything, they could perhaps serve as your real-life elf on a shelf. And lastly, to the defense, J.J. Watt of the Houston Texans, a chiropractor and a second phone for more efficient Instagramming. Richard Sherman of the Seahawks, a personal journal for all of his thoughts. Daryl Rivas of the Jets, a no-vacancy sign for his island. Jason Pierre-Paul of the New York Giants, who will be celebrating his birthday on January 1st, 28 trick candles and for von miller of the denver broncos you know what i think he's good too (laughs) now let's see what other past segments from the bridge santa has in his sack Golden State Warriors power forward and current U.S. Olympian Draymond Green continued his series of unfortunate events with male reproductive organs over the weekend. After ending up in hot water for hitting Oklahoma City Thunder center Stephen Adams in the no-no place, not once, but twice, in the Western Conference Finals, Green then suffered a one-game suspension for Game 5 in the NBA Finals when he whacked off LeBron James. Now, Green has made the switch from touching others to touching himself. The 26-year-old accidentally posted a picture of his trouser snake to his Snapchat My Story, which made the image public instead of being sent to the person or persons meant to receive the pecker picture. Green eventually realized his boner and deleted the image about 10 minutes later, but the image of his Johnson quickly spread through the gallows of the internet. He claimed the picture of his one-eyed monster was leaked because his account was hacked, but later apologized that the picture of his privates was meant to be private. However, this could possibly be a positive omen for the Warriors. The mascot Lil Kev helped the Cavs win the finals. Perhaps Draymond Sergeant Stiffy could help lead Golden State to the title in 2017 and prevent them from blowing their load for the second year in a row. I'm John Lund, and that was Sports News Red Like Real News. It's no secret that Buffalo Bills fans, lovingly known as Bills Mafia, participate in their fair share of shenanigans during the infamous Sunday tailgates. Whether it's grown men crashing through beer pong tables or fans performing wrestling moves on a rubber bust of Tom Brady, things can get a little interesting to say the least, and you never know what's going to hit the internet each week. So it was no surprise that the latest prank pulled this past Sunday came at the Buffalo Bills game. The biggest surprise, however, 
was what this fan had up his sleeve when Buffalo hosted the New England Patriots. Or should I say, what this fan had in his pants. Late in the third quarter, the Patriots held a 31-17 lead and were once again on the cusp of scoring another touchdown. On first and goal, Tom Brady tossed a screen pass to wide receiver Chris Hogan, who was then tackled around the three-yard line. A simple enough scenario, but a closer look revealed that a long rubber object appeared to hit the end zone, bounce once or twice, and come to a rest at the one-yard line. A referee called for time, and upon closer inspection, realized what the object actually was. That's right, a fan had thrown a sex toy onto the football field. And not just any woman's whoopee stick. An inscription was written on the rubber rod of pleasure that the one-eyed object was indeed Tom Brady's. No player on the field was hit by the flailing phallus, but one poor referee was tasked with kicking the joystick off of the field, where it then lay limp and flaccid for the remainder of the game. The question was, who indeed was the trouser snake thrower? Thankfully, the Dirty Sports Podcast managed an exclusive interview with the wanker whaler to provide us all with answers. The gentleman who tossed the tallywhacker said that he and his girlfriend had attended a costume party the night before the game and dressed as 70s porn stars. Upon waking up, he noticed that she had left behind a certain accessory for the costume. Curiously enough, his first thought was, that's Tom Brady's sex toy, and wrote as such in Sharpie before bringing the personal pleasure prosthetic to the game. He wore two pair of pants for safekeeping, but fortunately was not patted down by security to have to explain if there was a fake fire hose in his pants or if he was just happy to see them. In the third quarter, it was finally time to flash the fun stick, and the third leg was thrown all the way onto the field. The impressive part was the distance that the little lover was launched, and the fan was sitting about 18 rows back from the field of play. It takes athletes years to perfect throwing a javelin or a discus, but the willy whipper managed to have one of the best tosses the National Football League might have seen this season. He also could have created the next great Bills Mafia tailgate game in the process. The following morning, even Tom Brady commented on the case of the fictitious phallus on a radio show, saying, quote, Yes, I did. I did see it. I thought it was funny the ref didn't want to pick it up. He was kicking it. Nobody wanted to reach down and grab it. But unfortunately for Bills fans, the tale of the schlong slinger had an unhappy ending, since the Tom Brady toy was the only thing that could get up for Sunday's game. I'm John Lund for Sports News Red Like Real News.
Back to the bridge Christmas list and over to the National Basketball Association. We've got LeBron James of the Cleveland Cavaliers, the best of Insane Clown Posse CD. Steph Curry of the Warriors, more mouth guards. Always, always more mouth guards. Kevin Durant, also of the Warriors, the complete box set of the hit Cartoon Network series, Courage the Cowardly Dog. Russell Westbrook of the Thunder, a case of five-hour energy drinks. James Harden of the Rockets, Dollar Shave Club. Anthony Davis of the Pelicans, also Dollar Shave Club, but for a different part of his face. Chris Paul on the Clippers, Western Conference playoffs wins. Draymond Green on the Warriors, steel-toed boots. Clay Thompson of the Warriors, a hello, my name is Clay, sticker book to wear when he plays in the games. Kyrie Irving of the Cavs, 10 more years of LeBron James. Kevin Love of the Cavs, 10 more years of LeBron James. J.R. Smith of the Cavs, an ugly Christmas sweater. Carmelo Anthony of the New York Knicks, polished to make sure his three Olympic gold medals don't tarnish. Dwayne Wade on the Bulls, Shaq, LeBron, one of you, come back. Isaiah Thomas on the Celtics, a pen name so people don't confuse him with Isaiah Thomas. DeAndre Jordan of the Clippers, a free one-on-one free throw session with Rick Barry. Chris Stepps Perzingis, New York Knicks, the keys to the city. Steven Adams of the Thunder, a football cup. Actually, two football cups. Harrison Barnes of whatever team he's currently on, the 2015 NBA Championship DVD Blu-ray edition. J.J. Redick of the Clippers, a new watch. He collects watches. Did you think I was going to say more white three-point shooters in the National Basketball Association? No. Get the man a watch. He loves watches. Swaggy P of the Lakers, more swag. D'Angelo Russell of the Lakers, sleeves for having too much ice in his veins. And uh, I'm sure there's a Berenstein Bears book with a lesson about tattletailing out there somewhere you can throw into his stocking as well. Jeremy Lin, Hornets, a book of crossword puzzles. Show me something, Harvard grad. Tim Duncan, a little bit of aloe to soothe the pain from that new hideous back tattoo he waited until retirement to get. Vince Carter of the Mavs, a lifetime achievement award for still being in the league. And recently retired Kobe Bryant. Actually, you know what? I think he's good, too. (laughs) Let's see if Santa has anything else for us. (laughs) Hi, everybody, and a very pleasant good evening to you wherever you may be. Legendary broadcaster Vin Scully has been the radio voice of the Dodgers for the last 67 years. He started with the Brooklyn Dodgers in 1950 and was there when the franchise won its only World Series in 1955. In what he's referenced as his favorite broadcasting call, he was perhaps at his most calm, simply saying, Ladies and gentlemen, the Brooklyn Dodgers are the champions of the world. He has a laundry list of famous calls that have followed famous moments, including Don Larson's perfect game in the World Series, Hank Aaron's 715th home run, the Bill Buckner through the legs play, and Kurt Gibson's home run in the 1988 World Series, when in a year that was so improbable, 
the impossible happened. As the days of transistor radios faded away and news was expected to come faster and faster, Vin Scully allowed listeners a place to retreat from the hustle and bustle of the world to enjoy the game of baseball, as told by him. Play on the field seemed to slow down during one of his stories, only to pick back up again once he had concluded. He was thorough and accurate throughout his entire career, only citing just one moment that he wished he had back. Early in his career, back in his third year in 1952, the Dodgers were playing Cincinnati, which had an outfielder named Lloyd Merriman. Merriman hit a ball foul, and Vin meant to say, hot, shot, hit, foul. However, it never came out that way. So as we remember Vin Scully, and in keeping with the sports news read like real news tradition of mocking the delivery of sports anchors, here's one of the greatest broadcasters of all time reading a grocery list. We've got a dozen eggs, a quart of milk, a loaf of bread, a can of frozen orange juice, six small white onions, a green pepper, garlic powder, a package of American cheese, pickles, kosher that is, bananas, cornflakes, maple syrup, toothpaste, paper towels, toilet paper, six bars of soap, hot dogs, quarter pound of chopped meat, steak, lamb chops, package of spaghetti, three apples, bologna, cottage cheese, a pound of butter, two ears of corn, beer, ketchup, peanut butter, soy sauce, and a half a pound of coffee. I'm John Lund for Sports News Red Like Real News. U.S. Olympic swimmer Ryan Lochte is in hot water for lying about accusations that he and three of his teammates were robbed at gunpoint after a night of shenanigans at a local watering hole in Rio, Brazil. Before that night, the lead story from the male swimming side of the Olympics was the domination of Michael Phelps, and the only thing greener than Lochte's envy for Phelps was the watercolor in the diving pool. Lochte's initial story indicated that armed robbers, posing as police, pulled over their taxi, pulled out their guns, and told the swimmers to get on the ground. Lochte, perhaps under the impression that the armed robbers would recognize him from his renowned reality television show, What Would Ryan Lochte Do?, told the gentlemen he would not get on the ground since they had done nothing wrong. After one of the robbers reportedly pulled a gun to Lochte's head, cocked it, and told him to get down, Lochte said in the interview, quote, I put my hands up, I was like, whatever, end quote. The robbers took their money and Lochte's wallet, but not their cell phones, credentials, or the pair of Kanye West shoes worn by the swimmers, which Lochte posted on Snapchat on the night of the robbery with the caption, 6K Deep. Even though most of the available shoes in Rio could probably be found floating in the lagoon at the kayak races. Needless to say, questions were raised that the 12-time Olympic medalist had lied about his story, and soon Lochte was drowning in his own lies. He perhaps thought he could backstroke his way out of it and left his teammates out to dry in Rio, while he headed back to the United States. However, reports, videos, and testimonies were soon released detailing the night. After finishing their laps of the nightlife in Brazil, the four went to a gas station to find a restroom 
and decided to relieve themselves behind the building after not finding one inside. Lochte reportedly pulled down a sign off the brick wall in the back, which eventually led to armed security guards demanding money for the damages before sending the waterlogged athletes on their way. The 32-year-old bro has since apologized for over-exaggerating some parts of his stories and claimed he was still intoxicated when he told his first account of the tale. If anything, the man who tried to trademark this phrase literally pissed his money away as four of his sponsors recently announced they were dropping him. Perhaps Lochte would be wise to avoid the whirlpool of media responses and keep his once blue hair away from TV. Perhaps this could all have been avoided if he had just listened to his own advice. And I quote again, My philosophy is, if you're a man at night, you've got to be a man in the morning. End quote. I'm John Lund, for Sports News, read like real news. And last but not least, for the Bridge Christmas list, to Major League Baseball we go. Mike Trout of the Angels, the two other MVP trophies that should have been his. Bryce Harper of the Nationals, 40 100 grand candy bars just to hold him over until his new contract. Anthony Rizzo of the Cubs, a plastic case to display the baseball he pocketed after the final out of the World Series. Adrian Beltre, Texas Rangers, one of those claw-looking head massage things so he can get over his phobia of people touching his head. I think that's the best way to get started. Chris Sale of the Red Sox, some scissors just in case the Red Sox try one of those retro uniform days and he doesn't like how the jersey fits. Jose Batista, Blue Jays, a ball and a cup so he can keep his wrist conditioned for the next time he flips his bat. Yohannes Cespedes, New York Mets, new golf clubs. Jason Hayward, Chicago Cubs, public speaking lessons to master his craft. Matt Harvey, New York Mets, the right sleeve from the Batman suit to protect his arm from further injury. Jacob deGrom, New York Mets, herbal essence shampoo and the sound effects that accompany herbal essence shampoo. Madison Bumgarner, San Francisco Giants, a beer for each day of the 25 days of Christmas instead of that crappy chocolate, and a spittoon that he can put onto the pitcher's mound just in case. Recently retired designated hitter David Ortiz, Dr. Scholl's inserts for his new Velcro shoes. And last but not least, new Atlanta Braves pitcher, Bartolo Colon, a red suit. Someone has to be the Santa for all this. Oh, we might have reached the bottom, but let's see if Santa has one last thing hidden deep within his sack of toys.
teams no longer in existence that have won a professional game since the last time the LA Rams did so. The Montreal Expos, the Anaheim Angels, the Washington Bullets, the Vancouver Grizzlies, the Charlotte Hornets, I mean the New Orleans Hornets, the Seattle Supersonics, the Los Angeles Raiders, the Houston, I mean Memphis, I mean Tennessee Oilers, the Winnipeg Jets, the Hartford Whalers, a favorite team in the bro snapback community. Then there's the teams that weren't even in existence in 1994 that have won professional games since the last time the LA Rams have. The Arizona Diamondbacks, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, the Tampa Bay Devil Rays, and the Tampa Bay Rays, the Washington Nationals, the Houston Texans, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Carolina Panthers, the Cleveland Browns, part two. The Brooklyn Nets, the Washington Wizards, the Toronto Raptors, the Oklahoma City Thunder, the New Orleans Pelicans, the Nashville Predators, the Columbus Blue Jackets, the Minnesota Wild, and the entire damn WNBA franchise. Those are just some of the few, and you get the idea. The Cowboys have won a Super Bowl since the LA Rams last won a game. Tim Tebow has won a playoff game in that time. The city of Cleveland has won a championship since the last time the LA Rams have won a professional football game. In sports, the Dallas Cowboys repeated as Super Bowl champions. The champion in baseball, however, was no one, courtesy of the 1994 MLB strike. The Houston Rockets beat the New York Knicks in seven games to win the NBA title when Michael Jordan decided he didn't want to play basketball anymore or wanted to avoid a severe punishment for his gambling addiction or wanted to better prepare himself for the role in one of the most critically acclaimed films of all time, Space Jam. The New York Rangers also won that year's Stanley Cup. In cinema, Forrest Gump, Pulp Fiction, The Shawshank Redemption, Dumb and Dumber, and the Christmas hit Santa Claus hit theaters, while Disney also released Pocahontas and The Lion King. Forrest Gump was the highest grossing film of the year and provided us with the year's favorite quote, and it's not the one involving the shrimp. And The Lion King was the second highest grossing film of that year as well. Long live the king. In entertainment, Sony PlayStation was launched. In television, the sitcom Friends premiered and the shows All That, All Real Monsters, and The Secret World of Alex Mack were introduced on Nickelodeon. Unfortunately, Nickelodeon also canceled the masterpieces of Clarissa Explains It All and Doug. In music, The Sign by Ace of Bass was the number one song of the year according to Billboard. If you're unfamiliar with that tune, it talks about seeing the sign, opening up your eyes, and seeing the sign. The most popular song to end the year was Hero by Mariah Carey. Justin Bieber was also born in the year 1994. 
In other music news, Kurt Cobain, the lead singer of Nirvana, killed himself while famed rapper Tupac was assassinated. In other famous deaths, Jackie Kennedy passed away and O.J. Simpson killed Nicole Brown and that other guy. In other entertainment moments since the L.A. Rams last scored a touchdown, the most popular Christmas gift was Barbie, dressed as Scarlett O'Hara of Gone with the Wind fame. Lisa Marie Presley married Michael Jackson, or Michael Jackson married Lisa Marie Presley, however you want to phrase that. Nancy Kerrigan was attacked during an Olympics practice and was quoted immediately following the attack by saying, Why? 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 (laughs) Thank you, Nancy. And to close out the entertainment list, the Wonder Bra was invented. As you can see, quite a lot has changed since the Los Angeles Rams last scored a touchdown. They'll hope to change that fate in their next game at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And if they don't score again, not only will you be hearing from them in next week's edition of The Drawbridge, you might be hearing a lot of this in the city of Los Angeles. Let's take a quick break to keep on the Christmas lights. When we come back, more from the inaugural Christmas Spectacular and Year in Review. We'll be right back on the bridge, keeping you connected with all things sports. For the second special holiday segment of the inaugural Christmas Spectacular and Year in Review 2016, a problem that many households deal with around Christmas time is just who the hell will be showing up for the family Christmas dinner. You're obligated to invite everyone, even the people you don't particularly care for, with the hopes that those people may just, may just decide to stay home. But in the event everyone shows up, we've got you prepared. For this version, the guest list will be comprised of coaches and the like from the major sports. So without further ado, let's see who's at the door. Of course, our parents. Los Angeles Clippers head coach Doc Rivers and Golden State Warriors head coach Steve Kerr. How are you guys? Who else? All right, our grandparents, Duke's Coach K and Alabama's Nick Saban. How are you guys? Hey, it's our hippie grandparents, Jeannie Buss and Phil Jackson. What a couple you guys make. Hey, do you got this swinger living in your back room? Joe Madden, the manager of the Chicago Cubs. What a house. And you guys even brought the van. You guys are something else with your zen and your ideas. Oh, and coming up the sidewalk behind you are great-grandparents, Vin Scully and Vern Lundquist. Man, you guys are something. So glad you guys could make it this year. Who could that be? Oh, our in-laws, Pete Carroll of the Seattle Seahawks and John Calipari of the Kentucky Wildcats. We know you guys sometimes like to leave town if there's problems, so glad to see you were able to make it again this year. 
Up, let's see who this could be. Oh, we've got our younger brother who still takes answers from his older brother, Jason Garrett, the coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Jason, how you doing? Yep, we'll see who's here now. Oh, it's our kissy aunt who just wants people to love her. Rex Ryan, the head coach of the Buffalo Bills. Good of you to come, Rex. Good of you to... All right, stop touching my cheeks. I get it. Stop kissing me. Okay. Oh, and I see behind you, we've got our drunk uncle, Houston Texans head coach, Bill O'Brien. You guys write the narratives, Brian. I'm not a narrator. I'm not an author. I'm not a journalist. You are the narrative man, you guys and women. So you guys write the narrative however you want. You guys good? Oh, and it's our political uncle, NBA head coach Stan Van Gundy. How you doing, sir? If you scurry out of the way, we've got the uncle who never looks up from reading the paper, New York Giants head coach Ben McAdoo, who spends a good portion of the game studying his playbook. Another knock, another guest. Oh, look, it's the wise uncle that pulls you aside throughout the night to give you advice, but doesn't really add any context to that advice. It's Steelers head coach, Mike Tomlin. Mike, how are you? We will not go gently. Uh, we will unleash hell here in December because we have to. We won't go into shell. We're going to go in attack mode because uh, that's what's required. Wonderful, wonderful. Who else is at the door? Hey, it's the cool uncle who rides his Harley, even though it's wintertime. Jack Del Rio, head coach of the Raiders. How are you, sir? Oh, and you've got the Ann who's slowly losing her memory and just spurting out whatever comes to mind. Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh. How are you, Jim? We'll see who else is at the door. It's Aunt Know-It-All, Chip Kelly, the head coach of the San Francisco 49ers, making changes, doing her thing. Please tell me how you're going to revolutionize the world, Chip. Tell me all about it. Oh, it looks like we've already got some people that scurried in the door under my watch. Everybody's gathered around the table. Who we got over there? We've got your sister's punk boyfriend, Jim Caldwell, head coach of the Detroit Lions. Haven't seen him smile yet. Next to him, the emo goth teenage twins who would rather be doing just about anything else than have to sit here and talk to us. Greg Popovich, head coach of the Spurs, and Bill Belichick, head coach of the New England Patriots. Hey, guys. Moving down, moving down. Oh, oh there's the cousin that might be pregnant, but we're too afraid to ask. Marvin Lewis, Cincinnati Bengals. Is he really a good coach, should we ask? I mean, he makes the playoffs sometimes, but they never win. We'll just we'll just leave it at that. Next to her, the college dropout cousin working at the local Rite Aid, Gus Bradley of the Jacksonville Jaguars. How are you, Gus? Speaking of jobs, there's the cousin who just lost his job and is in a midlife crisis that no one's going to want to talk about the rest of the night. Jeff Fisher, formerly of the LA Rams. Jeffrey, hey! <laughs> Oh, there's a late knock at the door. Who could that be? Oh, we've got the cousin who's always late because of poor clock management. Andy Reid of the Chiefs. Hey, Andy. Who'd you bring with you to knock? Oh, there's the cousin that had a lot of things going for him, but ended up back living in his parents' basement. Eric Spolstra of the Miami Heat. Oh, we've also got the cousin who just took over the family business. Tyron Liu, Cleveland Cavaliers. <laughs> Oh, there's the last knock at the door. I think this should be it for our guest list. Who we've got here? 
Ah, yes, the creepy, creepy uncle who spends more time looking at the much younger family members than he does his own wife, Dallas Cowboys owner, Jerry Jones. That's going to do it for The Bridge. You can listen to this show and all previous shows over on my website at londonbridge.com. That's L-U-N-D-I-N-B-R-I-D-G-E. You can also follow me on Twitter under that same handle, at London Bridge. You can subscribe to The Bridge Sports Podcast on iTunes. Please leave a positive rating and review if you enjoy the show. And by doing so, you'll immediately be notified when new episodes of The Bridge are posted each week. You can also find the Bridge Sports Podcast on Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you'd like to hear the live recording of the show, visit SportsRadioAmerica.com every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Time or check them out on the TuneIn app. You can also visit LondonBridge.com slash email to subscribe to the Bridge newsletter, which will provide weekly updates and behind-the-scenes information about the next show and who the featured guest might be. You can also find more ways to contact the show under the contact tab over on LondonBridge.com. In the next installment of The Bridge, we'll get into the college football playoff. We'll take a look around the National Football League and dive into the NBA. But to close this show, let's take some time to reflect on the year 2016, to remember those we may have gained and those we may have lost, and look ahead to making 2017 one hell of a year. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and on January 4th, we'll talk to you all again on The Bridge keeping you connected with all things sports.